Um, you'll all benefit from them. I'm sure we're going to do a lot of really good stuff. If you didn't know that we had a Bible Institute, we do. And uh, in our Bible Institute, it's all free. You can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree if you'd like, or you can just come and take courses, or you can take them online. There's 104 courses available to you. They're all free. You can learn just about anything that you want. There are 531 students as of today in our Bible Institute from all over the world, and uh, it's a pretty fascinating thing. We have had uh, 23, 26, 28, 28 associate's degrees we've awarded since we started in 2014, and eight or ten bachelor's degrees. So uh, it's very good. The last bachelor's degree I awarded was actually to a, a pastor in Austria. How's that? Pretty cool. So kind of fun stuff. So we're actually going to do a course together over the next season, and uh, it's from a place called Harvest uh, International. They have a great series of courses that we use. Uh, the courses that we use in our Bible Institute come from a variety of places, and um, we get to use them and offer them to you for free. And uh, I thought this was a great course. It's, uh, it's, a, it's called Creative Bible Study Methods. There was a handout in the back. If you didn't get one, you may want to get one. And uh, this week, we'll sort of do an introduction to the Bible, and then we're going to work our way through it and really give you some tools on studying your Bible and different ways to study the Bible over the course of time and how it's put together and why it's put together. And, you know, uh, if you were here this last Sunday, I started a new series called Now and Forever. And we, we, in the midst of it, and we talked about quite a bit of stuff already, but we talked about purpose, knowing our purpose, and, and the way that you know the purpose of something. And I said to you that really the way you know the purpose of something is either, either you know and are talking to the creator of it or the pe person who invented it, or you're reading the owner's manual. And one of the things that I said to you was uh, to know our purpose and to really get settle in the fact that he's called us to glorious living, we need to be doing both. We need to be talking to the one who created us. And so we need to develop our prayer lives, and we need to be spending some time in the owner's manual. And uh, this is a wonderful thing that uh, we have, that we have the Bible is fascinating and uh, amazing and how it's put together and, and how awesome it is. Uh, and I've also told you time and time again that uh, this is one of the things that the enemy does not want you to spend time in, um, because... He doesn't want you to know the promises of God. He doesn't want you to learn all of the things that God wants you to learn. And so he purposely distracts you from spending time in the Bible. And, and in your own lives, you will know that if you don't have this developed as a habit in your life, it will quickly move out of your life. It's very easy. It's just one of the things that happens. I'm not judging anybody or picking on anybody, but this will get picked out of your life quickly. And it's because it's part of a spiritual dynamic that we have a very real enemy who doesn't want you knowing the promises because you find hope in the promises of God. And if you're reading them, you get them stirred up by your spirit. And so uh, what he constantly tries to do is make you too busy to read the book. And we're blessed in this country. Most of you have this book. And, and some of you have multiple copies of this book. And now we all have them on our, you know, I do almost all my reading of the, of the I got lots of copies of the book because of what I do. But I read most of mine on the, on, the, on the computer and on the iPad, and it's nice and big, and I like it, and it's lit. But um, if, if it's not a developed habit in your life, it will get quickly mislaid. It just happens. You wake up thinking, oh, I'm going to read in the morning. Anybody know this story? And then all of a sudden, and you say, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. First thing I'm going to do is read the Bible. And for some reason, that day, your alarm doesn't work, or the phone doesn't work, or it's on silent, or something weird happens, or somebody calls you beforehand, and, you have, and so you didn't get to it that day. And you go, okay, well, that didn't happen this morning, but lunchtime, not. Okay, before bed, yeah, right. 
To buy, and actually, it's not too bad. If you're spending some time reading the Bible, it's just a great way to fall asleep as long as it's not immediate. <laughs> and, you know, if you're having, let me, let me suggest this too. If you're having trouble sleeping, pick up your Bible and read it. And it's amazing. You'll get some of it and you'll pass right out. So, but, but, so I, what I want to do is just sort of, today we're going to do an introduction, then talk about ways to study the Bible, and hopefully it will get, get in you, because it's something that we need to be doing, to know our purpose, so that, you know, that ultimately I said last week, you know, Jesus wants us to have glorious lives. We're designed for glorious living, but we need to know our purpose, and we know our purpose by knowing our Creator and reading His book. So, uh, we're going to use some of this time to study it. So, the Bible means, uh, the word Bible means the books. And the, the Bible is one volume consisting of 66 separate books. Uh, when you hear the word scripture, um, that's a, a reference to the word of God. It comes from a Latin word that means writing. And so the, the scripture used with a capital S is, uh, re refers to the sacred writings of the one true God. And the word Bible itself isn't used in the Bible. Uh, it's a word that we use to, as a title for all of God's words. So that's how we hold that together. So um, the Bible came to us. Uh, it's the written Word of God. Um, God inspired the words in the Bible. He used approximately 40 different people to write down these words. And they wrote these books uh, over a period of 1,500 years. And um, see, here's what's one of the ways we know that it was divinely inspired is that all these different people wrote these separate books, but they are all wound together in perfect agreement. And so there's ultimately one author of this book, and that's God himself. Inspired These folks were inspired under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Some of the writers, they wrote down exactly what God said in Jeremiah 36, 2. Um, it said, he was said, take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. So that, Jeremiah was told by God to write it down exactly as he heard it. Um, other writers sort of wrote what they experienced or what God revealed to them, um, particularly uh, like John concerning the future in Revelation 1.19. He was uh, told by Jesus to write, therefore, what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So these guys were under the inspiration of the Spirit. And um, so all the different writers God would use to, to write these things down, to record them for us. But it takes place over a 1,500-year period of time when the writings happen. Now, the, the history behind it is much longer, um, but, but the writings of the book is over this period of time, um, more or less. Uh, in what's happening. might be a little bit longer. It just depends on how some of the dates uh, work out. Um, the purpose is Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Scriptures capital S scriptures, all the words of God, they're to use the, to, be, to teach doctrine, to reprove uh, and correct from evil, to teach righteousness, and ultimately they will help you live right and equip you to live the life that God has called you to do. And we, we learn that by this book. So it's very important, again, that all of you are taking time to read the book. And um, it's extremely important. 
So, you know, it's very good that we come together and that we, we go to uh, classes and we, we teach, but you need to be reading the book for yourself um, because you, you, have to have a, uh, you have to have it in you and then the Holy Spirit uses the word that's in you as well to really kind of help you and move you in the right directions and know some of the things you should be doing and shouldn't be doing and you, you need to know in there. So it's important that you read it. And the Bible has two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and the word testament means covenant. And a covenant is an agreement. And so the Old Testament records God's uh, original covenant or agreement with man. And the New Testament records the new covenant made by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the subject uh, of these uh, covenants, these two agreements, both concerned restoring sinful man to right relationship with God. Um, and so here's what happens. Back at the fall, um, that God um, made a law that sin can be only forgiven through the shedding of blood. And you'll see that throughout the Old Testament. In, the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So under God's agreement in the Old Testament, blood sacrifices of animals were made by man to obtain um, a level of forgiveness of sin. Um, and it was all symbolic of the blood sacrifice that Jesus would provide under the new agreement with God. And so through the birth, the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, a final sacrifice for sin was made. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is uh, the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called can um, receive the promised eternal inheritance uh, now that he's died and as a ransom to set us free from the sins that were committed under the first covenant. So um, what happens is when we sin, we were separated from God. Our sin separated us from a perfect holy God. We talk about that here all the time. We had an issue that we couldn't fix um, because God is perfect and holy, and at the point of the fall, we were separated from Him, and all of us have continued to sin and chosen to sin, so that, that's a long-standing issue. But God made a way. We see it taking shape in Genesis 3.15. He makes a promise. We call it the crimson thread of redemption. It weaves its way through the Bible, ultimately to the cross, where Jesus makes the perfect once-and-for-all sacrifice for sin so that we can truly be forgiven and reconciled to God forever. And I talk about that, where God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. That's what it means to be justified. It's an amazing, amazing promise. But, but um, back in the Old Testament, that covenant, again, there was the shedding of blood had to happen for sin. Um, and we, we were studying this as we were working through the Bible together, because it's horrific um, when you start reading about in Leviticus and, and the, 
the, uh, the amount of animals that were sacrificed to cover sin so that nobody would ever take sin lightly. It's not a big deal. It was a big deal. And you would actually take your sacrifice and you would offer it and your hand would be on it and the head and you, you were part, so that you're, you would never go, oh, well, it's just sin. It was huge. And uh, it's that way. And it, it, today, even though, you know, so Christ has paid for our sin, which was huge, when you put it all together, that, that God had to come in, in order to reconcile, for us to be reconciled. Fully God, fully man. Jesus arrived on the scene. That he had to go to the cross and, and undergo all that he went through for us. Um, when you start putting that together, because we've all chosen to go our own way, we've all sinned, uh, it, it's, it's like off the charts amazing that God went to those lengths um, for us. So uh, the terms Old and New Testament, they're just used to distinguish between God's agreement with man before uh, and after the death of Jesus Christ. So just because the Old Testament has old on it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. And, oh, it's the Old Testament. Yeah, that's still the Word of God, and it matters. Now, there's some things in the New Testament that sort of satisfy some of the Old Testament stuff, so there's something to do. But we, we need to understand it all and how it all works together, and it's very important that we study it all. So, there's two parts to the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, the, uh, in, and, and I told you in the beginning, so there's 66 books. The Old Testament has 39 books, and the New Testament has 27 books. And each book is divided into chapters and verses. So, um, the content of each book um, is the Word of God. The divisions and the chapters were made by... Folks, at some point in time, uh, they were added so that we could find the chapters and verses together. So you, you know that when it was originally written, they weren't going chapter 1, verse 1, 2, uh, 3. Uh, that's not how it went. So those are there so that we can talk about Scripture together. At some point, they realized it would be a lot handier if we could say, hey, let's look at you know the, this verse at such and such a point in such and such a chapter. So when we do uh, scripture references, that's what's going on. And in case you didn't know, so, you know, if I ever say, uh, well, we'll turn to some a few things in a minute. So it's to locate specific passages. If all of the books were just one long paragraph, it would be very hard for us to locate them and talk about them. Um, when the message paraphrase first came out, he didn't put, he didn't put numbers in it. It's pretty interesting. Message paraphrase is pretty interesting. And a paraphrase... So there's translations and there's paraphrases. Translations are as close to the original language as possible. Very important that you do doctrine out of a good translation. But paraphrases are a little easier to read. Um, so kind of more dated English. So there's one called the message. Maybe you heard about it. When it first came out, it didn't have any numbers in it. And it was very hard to figure out what he was talking about. And where is he in there? So later versions, because of the big screen, he added them. But so, so they're very helpful, helpful us so that we can find things so we can talk about them together. Um, I said this earlier too, the Bible is united. It's, a, it's, a, it's united in content, even though lots of different writers, they don't contradict each other. Some people say the Bible is full of contradictions. They don't know the Bible very well. That's ultimately what, and a lot of times when you get people saying that, they're, they're um, picking on things and they're not grabbing the whole thing in context, but they don't contradict one another. Um, there are discussions of hundreds of controversial subjects in the Bible. And um, by that I mean um, when, when you talk about things, um, different opinions happen. 
And, uh, and yet, you know, in the Bible itself, the, the writers of the Bible spoke on such subjects with harmony from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Uh, and ultimately, that's possible because there's really one author, right? God inspired it, and it's his book. And so the guys who were writing were recording under, under in, the inspiration of God. What you see in them oftentimes is their personalities being reflected in the writing, which is why when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, there's a lot of similar things happening in those stories, but their personalities are being reflected and what they, you know, are being reminded by the Holy Spirit of the time is sort of popping out. Also, it's united in theme. Um, it's not, the Bible is not a collection of 66 separate books on different subjects. Um, the, the Bible is united by a major theme from beginning to end, the Bible reveals God's special purpose, and it's summarized for us in Ephesians 1, 9 through 11. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. So um, the, the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That's the unifying theme of the Bible. That's where it's moving towards all the time. And, and um, it, so it's the revelation of Jesus Christ as a Savior of sinful mankind. Uh, Jesus, in, in fact, explains how the Old Testament centers on Him. In Luke 24, there's three verses here. Verse 44, uh, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about Me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And with that, He continues in verse 45, and He says, Then He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures, all the Word of God. So the key that Jesus gives His disciples here in understanding the Scriptures is that the major theme of the Bible is focusing on Him. Verse 46, He told them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. So in effect, the Old and the New Testament are both telling the story of Jesus. Um, the Old Testament prepares us for its happening, and the New tells us how it happened. And, and uh, this unites the Bible in this one major theme. The people that were looking forward to Jesus under the Old Testament were saved from their sins through faith in God's promise. Everyone who looks back to it as having um, been fulfilled in Christ is saved in that way. Through faith, it happened just as God promised. The Bible also has a, um, uh, a lot of variety. It's, it's written in different moods. You know, I talk about that all the time in the Psalms. You know how much I love the Psalms and things that we're going through are being expressed, the joy, the sorrow, the good stuff, the hard stuff. It's all there. All types of different writing. Um, the Bible contains history, poetry, prophecy, letters. Um, there's adventures and parables and miracles and love stories. Uh, and, um, and so uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to read the Bible. And so my, my hope is always that you haven't gotten stuck somewhere and stopped reading it. Um, because it's always worth pushing through. And reading because there's so many amazing things in there. Um, I remember the so when I was first saved, I thought it would be a good thing to read the book, and so I started to read it. And when I first got saved, I was uh, I, that was a, last week. Um, I was really busy, 
So when, when I first got saved, I was, I was 25. I was working two jobs, I was, and I worked late at night and, and, and all day. And I, just, and I thought, I've got to read the Bible, and I, I don't know I'm going to do it. And so um, I, I, I used to, I can't do it now, but I go to bed really early now. But I would, I would stay up from my job working late. And then I would get a few hours sleep, and I'd wake up before I had to do anything early in the morning. Like 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd get up after just a few hours sleep, and I'd read the Bible because I wanted to read it all. And I would love to tell you that every day I got up at 4 o'clock. I did get up at 4 in the morning, and I just read for an hour nonstop. I probably read 10, 15 minutes and passed out. <laughs> or I would do that nodding thing. Do you ever do that? And go, have you ever been reading? And then go, what in the world did I just read? That ever happened to anybody? Oh, no, I've read four pages. Don't remember a word. I'd go back and do it. But I, it was so important. I just, I, I, I wanted to read it. And how it all pulled together as I read it um, was fascinating. So, so, and I've read it ever since. I, I read it often. I try and read it through a year, every year. Read the whole thing again. And parts of it I read constantly. That part of that's what I do. But, um, but just for the sake of uh, digging through it, you should be reading it. So um, the Bible's broken down this way. The books of the law, and this is on the notes if you got them. The, the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, also known as the Pentateuch. And um, those record um, creation of man and, and the world uh, and the early history of man. Now, um, when you read them, you need to know that Moses wrote them, you know, at some point in time, way after they happened, but under the unction of the Spirit of God, under the anointing of God, he was writing exactly what needed to be written. He finally sat down and wrote from what took place and how it all happened. And as our study, as we studied through the, the Pentateuch, those, those first few books, you know, it's not perfectly chronological. You need to know that about the Bible, too. It skips around a little bit. Um, and so sometimes you need to be aware of the fact that it's moving around uh, a little um, in the process. Um, probably the best-known parts of uh, that, uh, that first, those first five chapters, the Ten Commandments, and um, uh, that's found in Exodus 20, uh, 3 through 17. So let's do this real quick. I'm going to finish in six minutes. Um, you, need, you need to find, if you have your Bible, if not, there's one in the rows, but I want to make sure you can do it. I want to make sure you can find those Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So those are the first five books in the Bible, and you can see them all there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then it goes on to the books of history, and there's 12 of them. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These cover the history of the people of God, about a thousand years of history in there. They don't tell you everything that happened, but they record the major events. They're fascinating books of the things that, that people did and were up to in the kings, and it can get a little confusing at times, but it's worth reading. All right? Sometimes you're going to have to dig in and shake your head, and especially when you're reading the kings and they're popping back and forth between the kings of Israel and the and, and uh, the king of Judah and, and, and Jerusalem, and they all have the same name, basically. <laughs> Something Maya. Uh, and, and you're like, which king is it? But it's worth it. The books of poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, all amazing books. Do this. Make sure you can get there. Turn to Psalm 23. See if you can find Psalm 23 in your Bible. And so you're, you're going to be a pretty big chunk of the way in when you get to the Psalms. And, and uh, I always want to go, it's page 846, but it ain't in your Bible. 
<laughs> but you ought to be able to find the psalm, Psalm 23, and like the way it's numbered, right? Verses 1 through 6. So if, so if I wanted to say, hey, it's like, you know, Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Um, that's uh, amazing stuff. And the psalms are all uh, almost all poems. Um, so, but, you know, by the time they translate, they, you don't see them that way. Then there's major prophets and minor prophets. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The minor prophets are Hosea, Nahum, Joel, Habakkuk, Amos, Zechariah, Obadiah, Haggai, Jonah, Zechariah, Micah, and Malachi. And um, they all wrote about things that were going to impact the people of Israel, and fascinatingly, they did. They happened. And uh, it's really amazing to see it. New Testament um, also has Gospels, History, Letters, and Prophecy. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's just quickly turn to John, the Gospel of John. I want you to make sure you can find that. If you don't know where to start reading your Bible, start in the Gospel of John. It's a great spot to read. But in John 20... So let's go there, John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the, the, the Gospels, they, you know, they talk about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and their, their purpose is just what I read to you, to believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God. Um, the, the, the book of history in the New Testament is Acts, and it's a fascinating historical book. Um, if you've never had a chance to read Acts, read Acts. The, Luke wrote Acts. He was, he was a, an amazing historian, and he records in a fascinating way the history of the early church and how it happens. There's 21 letters in the New Testament, most of them written by Paul, but not all. Romans. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First uh, and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, uh, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, and Jude. Um, those are all letters addressed to ultimately all believers, but sometimes written to specific folks or churches to make things happen in, and and, um, and so the letters are also sometimes called epistles. So if you hear of an epistle, it's just one of the letters. And then prophecy in the New Testament is in Revelation. And uh, you should uh, know that that's back there. And it's an amazing book. And that's plenty of information for one day. So uh, I'm going to end it there. But we're going to talk more next week, right about that subject. And the Bible, and my hope will be that as we work through this course, you'll be encouraged to be reading this book and to know it and not to be freaked out by it at all, other than where you should be. <laughs> don't worry about that right now. So uh, that's all. If you're watching, thanks for watching. Come and see us when you can. We'll see you soon. Prayer requests.